Welcome to Up an Octave, a podcast by Sonivia. I'm your host, Ruth Spence, founder of Sonivia, the podcast management agency that helps women and non-binary people take up space in podcasting. Up an Octave is here to support you in your podcasting journey, from how to market yourself, how to sound great, how to edit for your specific voice, and how to make your podcast feel like magic. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Up an Octave. Today I'm talking about volume. More specifically, we're talking about LUFS, L-U-F-S, what the heck it is and why it's critical for a pleasant listening experience, which turns into more downloads for you. So what is LUFS? LUFS stands for Loudness Units Full Scale, and it's a way of measuring sound. But instead of decibels, which measure actual volume, it measures our perception of volume. Think of it almost as like a wind chill or real feel for sound. I don't actually know how real feel or wind chills work, but I know that it can be 45 degrees out, but with the wind chill, it feels like 26. And so I'm like, just say it's 26. But that's honestly how LUFS works. How we perceive sound is influenced by much more than just the volume. It's also influenced by things like frequency. Our perception is impacted by how low or how high a sound is. So think about it as if it was 45 degrees, but it was sunny, it might feel warmer. If it was 45 degrees, but you just got out of a swimming pool, you would think you were freezing to death. That's kind of how LUFS works as well. It's because of these really high or low frequency moments that a 160 decibel shotgun blast can feel so much more jarring than a 150 decibel rock concert. Over time at the concert, you just kind of get used to it. You adjust to that volume, and yes, your ears are going to ring and you're going to struggle to hear when you leave the concert and you are like Waffle House afterwards. You're going to be like, what? I can't hear anybody. But it doesn't feel while you're there like it was necessarily painfully loud the way that a gunshot might. The idea is that normalizing the luffs in your podcast will make it more comfortable to listen to an episode that might include everything from ASMR-like whispers to bursts of laughter. When you edit, you may hear that there are some parts of your episodes that are especially loud or quiet. This is something that I deal with a lot because I am a chronic fidgeter. And so I tend to lean really far away from my mic sometimes. And then I remember, and so I get really close to it. That's when you hear my chair creak is because I tend to go back and forth a lot. And it is something that I consciously have to catch myself doing, but I don't always catch myself doing in the minute that it's happening. If you haven't already included normalizing or compressing into your podcasting workflow, you may be using the amplification tool to manually increase or decrease volume in these parts. And not only does doing this manually take way more time, ask me how I know, That was how I edited like the entirety of my first show. I did not know about LUFS and my show sounds like I did not know about LUFS. It also doesn't account for the perception of loudness. So back to the weather analogy. If I just happen to see, oh, it's 45 degrees there, it's probably fine. And I'm not realizing that, oh, I'm going outside with soaking wet hair, then I'm not going to be catching everything. 
So even if it doesn't seem like it's peaky, it doesn't seem like it's going into the red, I'm like, oh, it's probably fine. And then when it's processed and you're listening on Spotify later, you're like, oh, this is almost unlistenable because of how peaky it is. So you're better off just setting the luffs first and then making manual adjustments anywhere that you see clipping or it just doesn't sound quite right. Just because the loudness is comfortable doesn't mean that the sounds are pleasant. So even though you're adjusting for luffs, there are still maybe things that just don't sound right. So that's where having that human touch to your editing workflow is still super critical. Now, in trying to understand how luffs impacts the listener experience, something that I hear a lot on a lot of the podcasts that I listen to is just inconsistent volume. I'll have one episode of a show where I have to turn all the way up just to even comfortably hear what they're talking about. And then it'll, you know, go on to the next episode in the playlist of a different show and I'm like getting my ears blasted away. This is because they're not setting their luffs. So even if it's comfortably amplified and it sounds okay, that doesn't mean that it's going to translate well. There is an industry standard that almost all podcatchers are using for podcasts for luffs. And if you're not setting your show to be within that range, it's not going to sound pleasant. So the podcasting industry standard is minus 16. No matter what DAW or digital audio workstation you're using, that's the software for your post-production if you're not familiar with that terminology. So like, for example, mine is Audacity. There's Descript. There's Spotify for podcasters. There are a ton of different DAWs. Almost all of them are going to have a way to set your luffs. So you're going to want to set it to minus 16. And right now I can tell you how to do it in Audacity because it's super easy. So you're just going to highlight the entire track. Then you go up to effect, volume and compression, loudness normalization. You set it to that minus 16 and select OK. This then treats the track and you're going to get your audio to that corrected level. In addition to your luffs, the other components that do go into having a pleasant volume is making sure that the gain on your microphone is set to the right level. So if you're using like a Yeti, there's going to be a gain knob right on the microphone itself. Or if you're using some XLR mics, you're going to have to manipulate it on your interface. So for example, I use this Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 and there I can manually adjust the knobs for my microphone or microphones if I'm recording with another person. So this is something that's also important because luffs can only go so far and that's to make it mechanically comfortable. But as I mentioned earlier, the sounds that you're listening to can still be unpleasant. So if you have your gain too low, you're going to hear a snowy sound. Once you get that luffs kicked up so that it's amplified enough to be comfortably listenable, if there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to amplify in the beginning, that's where you're going to get some of that sound because it's working to amplify everything just to get to that listenable level. On the other hand, if you're way too hot, sometimes this comes from speaking really closely into the microphone, then you're going to get clipping. Now, clipping is very easy to spot when you're in your editor, in your DAW, because it looks like a fresh haircut. That's what I kind of always think of is it's like fresh bangs because it will just be a blunt line, like all of the vertical lines of your waveform 
just have a flat top. Like they just got sheared off by a lawnmower. And that is because they're so loud that they're out of the range. So the way that you can only pick up so much on the sound wave, it's going beyond those barriers. And it's actually so loud that it's not even registered. And this is where you get that speaker blowing horrible, horrible sound. Um, And you'll also have a lot of degradation of your audio quality at that level. In addition to setting the luffs, making sure that what you're actually manipulating is even listenable in the first place is huge. So spend some time sound checking, getting familiar with what gain sounds right for your voice on your microphone, especially after you change microphones or room setups. This is critical. The other thing is making sure that you're the appropriate distance away from your microphone. Typically being about a fist or like a hang loose sign or like a telephone sign if you're not a Gen Z person like myself. So the thumb and the pinky extended or a fist away from your microphone is what sounds the best. On a dynamic microphone, you're going to want to be a little bit closer just because of how these microphones work. Whereas with a condenser microphone, you can back up just a little bit. This is going to impact what is getting picked up by your microphone. For example, if you're really far away from a dynamic microphone like I am right now, it's going to struggle to pick you up as much just because these microphones have to work a little bit harder to catch sound which is what makes them great for using in a non-traditionally treated soundproofed space. Oh, I'm just sliding in to tell you about my 12-week content planner for podcasts. If you are starting to think about the holiday season and what that's going to look like for your podcast, you're not going to want to miss out on this free resource that I have created to help you holiday-proof your podcast. In general, I recommend having at least 12 weeks of content planned, if not recorded, at all times. This helps you dodge pod fade and keep your message resonating loud and clear while saving you stress and headaches and last minute panic. To download this free resource, check for the link in my show notes. All right, back to the good stuff. This week's question comes from Danny, who did not give me a show to shout out. Danny asks, how do I create an intro that hooks listeners in from the start? I love intros, especially a well-crafted one. One of the biggest things is to make sure that the tone of your intro matches the tone of your show. This is something that if you are one of my launch clients, you have heard me say a million times. I think that tone is most easily set with music. And sometimes I see people using music that just does not feel like their show. Like if your show is about true crime, you are not going to want to use upbeat ukulele music to set that tone. On the other hand, if you are a serious like wellness podcast, you probably don't want like ghostly moaning and chains rattling in the background. Also make sure that your music feels genuine. A lot of royalty-free music sounds like royalty-free music. It's sort of that like corporate Muzak five-minute crafts kind of sounding music. And I would almost rather you have no music than bland music because to me, it makes your show sound bland. And that's not what you want to be the tone for the rest of your show. I think that your intro should set up some excitement for the rest of your show, almost like the intros on a TV show. You know, when you're watching like Friends, you're going to do the little clap, 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 or, you know, Full House, like it, it jogs those pleasant memories for like that fun kind of upbeat vibe. But on the other hand, when you hear like the really heavy like cello section of the Game of Thrones intro, you're like, oh, 
this is going to be cinematic. This is going to be epic. This is going to be really dope. Or like the Marvel intro where they're showing like the flashes of the comics or the different movies and it's like all in the Marvel letters and you're hearing like the Avengers theme or whatever. You know kind of what you're getting into. And even though like some of Marvel's movies like Guardians of the Galaxy can be more funny, they're still going to have that epic tone. So it would be kind of weird if there was like baby elephant walk and then it was like Loki. (laughs) You know, you want it to sort of have uh, a tone that feels like what the rest of your show feels like. If you're a comedy show, that's where you get a little more fun, get a little more amped. Or, you know, if you're a more serious show, stick in the strings family. I just don't love it when I'm not sure what to expect. And also when I feel like I want to fast forward the music. So kind of think about who your listener is, what kind of music they like to listen to, and use that to guide what your intro sounds like. Another thing about intros for me is that I'm not a huge fan of including a soundbite to the very beginning of your episodes, like even before your intro. And my thought is that by the time somebody clicks on your episode, you've got them already. That would be like going to the movies, seeing a trailer for the movie you're about to see, you've already bought your ticket, you've settled in with your popcorn, you don't need any more convincing, and if anything, you might even be annoyed by it. I think this is especially unnecessary if the episode's less than half an hour. Like, if you can't just wait half an hour to hear the thing, then you're probably not actually that into this show. So I think save your sound bites for social media. Sound bites can absolutely be great if they're used appropriately. And to me, that is when you're repurposing on your socials. Some other things that I think your intro absolutely needs is a little brief summary of what listeners can expect, a little bit about who you are and why this is your show, why you have the authority or why you have the desire to speak on it, and what they can expect to get out of it. An intro that I think is definitely exemplary of all of the things that I'm talking about is the My Brother, My Brother and Me intro by the McElroy Brothers. This is like one of my comfort shows for sure. But I think they have a really banging intro. They've changed their music a couple times over the years, but they have a quick little intro that just kind of summarizes, this is going to be really fun. It's super lighthearted. Sit back and enjoy. Another intro that I think is really great is the Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet intro. They tell you exactly what that show is going to be about. It's a show where they read really silly like Yelp reviews from people and kind of make fun of them. And I think that they have such a great intro. It's like read by this more serious broadcast sounding voice. And you're like, oh, this is going to be so fun. And it's kind of got that like movie aspect to it where it's like, oh, you're like a movie announcer almost. And then it's got some really fun jazzy music. And then it takes you right into the episode. Even if you're not a fun, lighthearted show you can still make use of having a great intro. Even if you are like a Continuing Educations Units podcast, which is actually a show that I have just gotten to work on recently, and I'm really loving being in that space. So if you are in a more corporate setting, don't sleep on using podcasting for CEUs. I might actually talk about that in an episode here before too long, um, because that's really a unique platform that I hadn't considered until it was kind of dropped in my lap. But even for that type of a show, I don't think you need to have that Muzak-sounding music. I think that you can find something a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more retrospective. It doesn't have to be super brassy and fun and jazzy or poppy. It can be a little bit more laid back, but I think it can still sort of set the tone. 
To me, a good intro, whether it's on a TV show or a podcast, is kind of your chance to get comfy. You know, it's like if you're doing a a meditation, it's like when they're like, just take a minute, get comfortable, start taking some deep breaths. You know, because if you go from whatever you've been doing before to right into the heart of it, I don't know, I like that little preamble to get situated. Even if it's for like a true crime podcast, I, I like to kind of segment out my media and be like, cool, I was doing that. Now I'm doing this. This is what I want that to feel like. So I hope this is helpful. Thank you so much for your question, Danny. And if you have a question that you would like me to answer, you can send me an email at rue.sonivia at gmail.com or just DM me a voice note on Instagram at Sonivia Studios. That's it for today. I will be back next week with a Pass the Mic episode chatting with Erin and Megan from My Skeptical Sister, a show that is very near and dear to my heart. So make sure that you tune into that next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can follow me over on Instagram at Sonivia Studios. And wherever you're listening, if you could please take a minute to either rate or review, because just like your show, mine needs those to grow. Thank you so much for helping me take podcasting up an octave. Thank you.